centuries, mankind has been fascinated with realms outside of our conscious awareness. Through a series of interviews with practitioners, guest speakers, and experts, Liberate the podcast covers all that and more, from health and holistic healing to the supernatural. We aim to educate, motivate, inspire, and liberate your consciousness. Welcome to another episode of Liberate the Podcast. I'm really excited because we're going to be doing this podcast where it's our first time recording it at our Hollywood location. And, you know, we're opening soon, but I'm super excited because of the energy in the space and what we're going to be stepping into. I mean, we're going to be doing some more visual podcasts to come, but, you know, the first one at Liberate Hollywood, and I'm having the most magical, amazing, I'm, I'm so blessed that she's here with us to, to be a part of this podcast because, she just has so much wisdom, knowledge, insight, everything to offer. And so I definitely, you'll be, you'll be hearing from her again. I know that we'll definitely interview her multiple times, but um, I met her a few weeks ago and I was just blown away by her energy, her authenticity and her love space. And so who we have today is Unity Grace. And we're going to be talking about the mechanics of the universe and how it works. And because Unity is such an amazing being, I had Chris, who was on one of the other podcasts in the past, come in to meet her. And so she's here. So Chris is that clothing designer that really is all about spreading that dose of love. But now she's starting this algorithm brand and, you know, just just amazing wonderful creative energy that's super connected and so she's here so she may or may not contribute to what extent but if you hear another voice and somebody else is asking a question that's Chris so make sure that you go back and listen to her podcast too if you haven't already so Unity welcome thank you I'm so excited to be here I'm so excited to be the first podcast at Liberate Hollywood considering the history <laughs> that has happened in these studio rooms it's an absolute honor to be here and I feel the same way about um, meeting you a few weeks ago. It was a very divine appointment and um, just to witness the light that is coming from your eyes and the love that is coming from your heart for all of life and your motivation and your inspiration and to be in the presence of that is really exciting for me as well. So it's an amazing reflection and yeah, I'm just ready to have fun and, and do the thing we love to do the best, which is talk and share and see see what wants to come through. Well, awesome. Well, I know that our topic is kind of like this mechanics of the universe, but I would love for everybody to hear a little bit more about you. Okay. You know? Okay. Well, um, I am Unity Grace, and I have... Um, much like Christina, I have a great love for animals. I have a great love for nature and the natural world. I always say that the, the bees and the ants are my greatest gurus. And um, I'm... We got a little music in the background. We, I have no idea where it's coming from, but I keep on going. We do have a little music. It must be the, the bees and the ants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I always say that the bees and the ants have been my, my greatest teachers, and I love to have my hands in, in the earth, and um, so that's been a big part of my life. But 
the last six and a half years, um, the, the biggest part of my journey has been a journey with water. And I say that water adopted me December 24th, 2010. I went swimming in a lagoon on the island of Kauai. It's a, a lagoon inside of a cave called the Blue Room. And I felt that when I came out of the water there, I say that water initiated me and adopted me. And I could feel my entire energy field had changed. And I say that my two-way conversation at that moment, my two-way conversation with Creator had begun with creation. And all of a sudden, all these very specific messages started to come through me. And I literally felt like I had turned on a radio. That's what happened inside of my head. Like I had tuned into a radio station that was talking inside of my head. And it was telling me where to go and what to do to pray with water and and to to walk around the earth to do these prayers and blessings. And at the time, I had never heard of grids and ley lines or energy lines of the earth. Energy lines or the grids and ley lines are like the energy meridians of our body. So in Chinese medicine, when we see the, the map of the human body, there's all these lines that go down the, the human body, and those are called the meridians. Well, the earth has exactly the same energy lines. Wow. And, and so I was called, uh, I found out later that I was walking the grids and ley lines of the earth. And the guidance was telling me where water vortexes were and underneath the earth that couldn't be seen and was asking me to do prayers and light language and leave crystals. And, and so I basically was walking this amazing journey around the earth. I walked away from my, my life as it was. I, I had a longtime partner in a business and, um, you know, I, I really was overtaken by this voice and this guidance and began to quietly walk the earth and just pray with the earth. And, and then this language, uh, which I understood later was called light language, started to come through me and um, toning started to come through me. And so I would just be in places and these amazing tones and songs would start to come through. And then um, the real turning point was when indigenous elders started to come into my world and they knew exactly what I was doing and they knew who I was and they told me that I was part of their prophecies and a bundle carrier in their prophecies. And they started to give me their sacred bundles and asked me to carry those sacred bundles to different places on the earth. And then um, they explained to me that the singing was singing the song lines or the ley lines awake. And they explained that these are ancient indigenous traditions and wisdom that was coming through me. And so that started to help me understand what I was doing. So, wow. um, yeah, it's, it's really, and, and water has been the big part of that journey. So. And haven't you carried water with you during this whole time? I this have. I have my water, my water bottle with me right now, my little bottle of water. Yes, yeah. And it's it's been everywhere with you. Yeah. And you continue to add water from all of these places and and people Absolutely. That, that you meet and 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 it has such a high vibration to it. It's been prayed upon, it's been blessed, that you've kept it with you, it's always with you. So do you want to tell people, just because I'm so fascinated by this water, and I had this water blessing from her, and I, I mean, I'm telling, 
I've had energy healings. I've had many different things, uh, you know, from many different disciplines. This water was out of this world. Like, I, I was like, I was on another, another plane, you know, from just a couple drops being placed on me. So what have people said about this? Well, um, a lot of people are having really strong and amazing interactions with the water these days, um, much like you, which is amazing to me. So it's my little bottle of blue water, and everywhere I've gone on the planet that I found water, I've gotten down to the earth and I prayed with the water, and then I've collected some of that water, and then I've exchanged, so I've given back some of the water from my bottle. So the water comes from every, every source of water I have come across around the planet, whether it's a drip of water in a cave, or recently I had an amazing experience while I was in Colorado and ended up in the middle of the Colorado avalanche ice rink at the end of a game and collected water from, from the ice <laughs> rink. That's, that's a great story in itself. But um, yeah, so, so the water is very powerful. I say it's the most loved bottle of water in the world. And there's an amazing man many of the listeners are probably familiar with, um, Dr. Dr. Emoto. Mm -hmm. And Dr. Emoto showed us that water um, holds our intention. And so whatever energy we're putting into the water, the water then forms the structure of that intention. Mm -hmm. And so because this bottle is filled with love I say that um, this is a bottle of love and I also say one drop of water is all it takes to change the world so to witness um, because I offer the water wherever I go I offer people to exchange the water that they have we trade water back and forth through the bottle and water is holographic so it communicates non-locally this is what quantum physics shows us and we're all made of water and so um, as people receive this water, it's like they're receiving a really potent drop of uh, a structured drop of love. Wow. And, and, and yeah, it's been really amazing to see, um, to hear, you know, I, I was at a festival recently, Lucidity, where I've been on a council for peace with other indigenous elders for the last um, three years. And so I was part of the opening ceremonies. I did a water blessing. And then I said, anyone who wants to receive water during the weekend, just come to me. The bottle is always with me. And it was wonderful. Like people were like lining up and surrounding me and they're going, oh my gosh, are you that unity grace with the bottle of water? <laughs> and people were receiving the blessing. And then people were writing to me like later and saying that it took them like 12 hours to integrate the drop of water and and people had massive kundalini experiences and complete shifts in their perception. It was just wow, unbelievable, these things that people were saying. So to me, that just goes to show the power of love to transform life. Yeah, in the power of something so potent. I mean, for those that are listening that are having a hard time like grasping this on some level, think about if you take a very, very thick deep deep black drop of paint and you put it into some clear water or white paint let's say white paint let's go paint with paint so if you take a very small small little black dot of black black paint and you drop it into a bucket of white paint the whole bucket of white paint will become gray 
not off-white, it will become gray from one drop, right? You know, you see them making, making paints at the store, they, they, they hardly put any dye for any of the whole level of, of color. And so if we're, if we're, that's where like the analogy went for me, I always like to talk in metaphors, you know, years of doing hypnotherapy and doing metaphors in people's <laughs> unconscious, like I always grab, what, what metaphor can I use for this that people can grab without dispute, you know? So if you have this deep bot or drop of love and us being around 80% of water, that dr deep condensed vibration and think of that as the black paint going into the white paint you're going to change right it's an amazing mm -hmm. amazing metaphor and you know for people who are um, seeking some more uh, sort of visual understanding of the potency of our intentions and how water receives it they can just Google Dr. Um, Dr. Emoto because Dr. Emoto <clears throat> had people put different intentions into water and then he flash froze the water mm -hmm. and then they photographed it under a microscope and the water that received really loving and holistic intentions produced these amazing geometries and the water that received um, disharmonious intentions produced very broken down kind of geometries structure that um, you know was was not really a strong structure so to see those visuals of the water droplets is a really great feedback for people to understand how potent uh, our thoughts and feelings and intentions are in our, our world, our existence. Wow. And, and, and I'm going back just a little bit, you know, the, the, the water and our energy, our vibrations, our thoughts. But I'm, I'm really fascinated if we take a couple steps back to you walking these these grid lines and activating them through the vocal tones and the and, and your voice and and the sound light language that you're using. You know, first off, can we just just talk a little bit more about what are these grid lines? I mean, you kind of gave a, a, a brief kind of synopsis on it that there are the Earth's energy meridians. But, you know, what's their purpose? What do they do for the Earth? And why would they need to be reactivated? Right. Well, okay, so great questions. Um, so we'll, we'll take it a little bit at a time. So um, water is a great example to help us understand um, these energy lines because we can see water. We can't see the energy lines. But we know, like with our cell phones and you know, cell phones are a great example, or Wi-Fi. How does it work? Well, it's, it's energy that's going from the Wi-Fi the, the Wi box into the computer. We can't see it, but it's an energetic line of communication. So that's exactly what's happening with the Earth, with these energetic lines of communication. So we could say that um, it's almost like... In, in, on invisible cell towers, they it, let's say they were placed all over the earth. Those invisible cell towers send a message from one cell tower to the next. And, and what creates those invisible cell towers on the earth? Well, most of them are created by underground waterways. When you have 
two waterways that cross each other, and let's say one can be on the surface of the earth, one can be 100 feet beneath the earth, it's hard for us to kind of imagine that water actually runs beneath the surface of the earth, mm -hmm. but a lot of the earth is made up of underground tunnels and waterways. So you could think of it like underground rivers. So where wherever water crosses even if it doesn't cross above ground if there's a river above ground and there's a waterway beneath that river it will actually create what's called a vortex and once again if people want to kind of google or you know research this more deeply there's something called dowsing, dowsing rods. And mm -hmm. dowsing rods are, you know, you hold to, you can do it with sticks in your hand or you can do it with proper dowsing rods. And you hold those rods in your hand and they're just, they're, they're, they've got a little like handle. They're kind of like a little L shape and you hold the short end of the dowsing rod in your hands and you hold them very lightly. And then if you walk along the earth and you just hold those lightly, if you hit an area where there's energy those dowsing rods will actually fold in together on each other. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's a famous tradition called water witching. And it's, um, it's a way of discovering underground wells when people are looking for water yeah, on property. We lived in the middle of farmland and had acres of land and stuff. My dad would take hangers and he would walk out in the yard. <laughs> So I remember that growing up, and, and they would cross, and I'd be like, oh, what are you digging? Oh, I'm digging a new well. <laughs> All right. There you go. You've had the personal experience, and it goes to show you can use anything. Coat hangers are really commonly used for that. And oil, when, when they're actually um, looking for oil, they do the same thing. Some of the people who get paid extremely well on the planet work for oil companies to douse for oil beneath the earth. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, these things that are kind of hard for us to imagine, when we just transport that and connect it to a real-life thing that's happening right now, then it makes it easier for people to go, oh, to sort of step-by-step step wrap our head around, well, what are these energy lines exactly? Yeah. So, so the, the energy lines tend to form where we have underground waterways that cross, and those create what's called a vortex. So they okay. create a spinning vortex of energy. And those places where the energy vortexes spin then shoot out lines of energy. So you could say a vortex, you could equate that to um, to your your Wi-Fi... Um, Receptor your, box yeah, or whatever it's your called. box, exactly. And, and so you could say that's where the vortex is spinning, and then um, the energy line goes out and it lands somewhere else. Where's the next place that it arcs to? Or, you know, it's like a rainbow or an arc. Where does it land? it lands on the next place where you get two crossing pathways of water. Oh. And so those jump and form arcs all over the earth, and so they carry energy from one point to another. Okay. And, and why have they been asleep or not functioning properly? Great question. Um, so as above, so below. So we're, we're connected to all things. So that's the first thing to understand is that 
Um, you know, we, we go through certain cycles in, in time and space, we travel through cycles. And so maybe there's certain astrological alignments at certain times with certain plant, planets or whatever. So, you know, the, all the ancient texts say that we've been going through the Kali Yuga. We're, we're, we're coming out of a dark time, we're going into the golden age of enlightenment. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the reason why those grids would be more suppressed. And then also there's been a lot of human interference with the natural grids and ley lines of the planet. The laying down of pipelines has actually interfered with the natural um, waterways of the planet. That's that's one way. And then there's been a lot of um, deep understanding of the grids and ley lines. It's ancient knowledge, probably goes back to the original times of um, you know, life forms being on the planet. Um, certainly, so, so um, yeah, uh, this is, um, I'm just going to segue a little bit. I'm going to jump into the animal kingdom for a okay. moment. Yeah. Okay. So when we're trying to understand grids and ley lines, we have to understand that in our own head, we have a natural sonar. Is We have our own GPS, our own homing device within us. And ours has been a little bit shut down because we've moved into a really left brain kind of consciousness. Uh, we have a right and left hemisphere of our brain, but we've favored, fam- uh, favored that intellectual side and given more concentration to the left brain. Mm-hmm. When we don't live in a balanced brain, our GPS kind of shuts down because we're not using both sides of what contribute to that GPS working really well. Hmm. Animals have natural GPS. That's what allows them to migrate. So we see the caribou, we see the butterflies, we see the hummingbirds, we see the whales, we see the dolphins. All animals naturally migrate. How do they migrate? because they know how to listen to these electromagnetic signals that run along the grid lines. Oh, no, they're not migrating right. Exactly, Hmm. exactly. A lot of animals' um, migrational patterns have been interfered with, and more importantly is humanity's natural migrational patterns have been interfered with by humanity creating things called borders, and creating imaginary lines on the planet and creating things called passports and visas and all kinds of rules and regulations that limit our natural ability to migrate and listen to the flow of these energy lines as they move around the planet. Mm -hmm. So we can see what happens to animals when their migratory patterns are interfered with because, say, you know, some structure human structure gets put in their way and then humans create these like you know bridges for migrating animals to cross over so they don't cross over freeways but the animals keep crossing in the freeways or whatever animals are naturally attuned to continually follow these pathways Mm -hmm. and when these signals are interfered with we see the decimation of of the wildlife of the planet and when humanity's ability to move naturally with these grid lines is interfered with, we see a human race that lives upon a planet and falls out of balance and alignment with all the other living creatures on the planet. Mm -hmm. And then we start creating structures and we start creating societies 
um, that are totally out of balance and harmony with all the other life forms. Yeah. If borders didn't exist, we would all naturally follow this, this harmonic flow of these grids, which would show us where to be and when. Yeah. And something of great interest is, you know, when the big tsunami hit, hit all of um, Asia, animals, most, most wild animals were not injured. Why? Because they could listen to the electromagnetics which told them to move. Wow. Humans are ingrained through this left brain linear kind of thinking that we've existed in, nine to five, Monday to Friday, all these kinds of things that have been programmed into mm -hmm. us have interfered with our ability to listen to how to be where and when. Yeah, I mean, people don't even know how to listen to their emotions anymore and along <laughs> their GPS system inside of them, you know, and there's this massive disconnect and and um, over bombarding with the senses but I think like you know as you're sharing that I think you know one of the other things that I see is that these artificial structures and things that we we build and people are you know living you know stories above grounds especially in certain societies and, and cultures and stuff like that I forget which city it is, but um, I was watching one of, um, like, a Netflix, like, show documentary things of all the different ways people live around the world, and they did one, and I, it was some city in China, but I don't remember if it was Shanghai or where, where but that in this particular area that there were so many stories up that if people lived in there, that they were actually building malls and stores like in the middle oh. so that people didn't even ever have to touch the physical ground, oh. right? So if you lived on, let's say, the 26th floor and let's say on the 10th floor there was like shopping centers and offices and stuff and they were interconnected with other buildings, well, that's where your grocery stores are, that's where everything is, why do you have to go down to the first floor? I, I mean, it was just fascinating to me, but it was like, oh my God, people are so disconnected, you know, is what I was thinking. And when that, that, that whole idea popped into my head when you were talking, I was like, yeah, not only are we, you know, this and disconnected and we're, we're not in touch because of our stresses or that, but there's also this artificial environment and, and all of these Wi-Fi and other things or the way that we eat and all of this that is creating disharmony, disharmony within our body that are, we're not even, you know, everybody's walking around, chronic fatigue, struggling this because they have no energy. They have no energy in their body. How the heck are they supposed to be listening to their GPS single? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And not only no energy, but no connection to life force, to spirit, to inspiration, to creativity. We literally yeah. become zombies. Yeah. We zombies. And the and then the poor animals, you know, they're they're having this disruption in the GPS, but then they're also having this disruption, grab any random fish in the Pacific Ocean, cut them open and their stomachs filled with plastic. Yeah. You know? And it's like, okay, I mean, even the little fish. They have, they have these little bits of plastic in them. I think that, I, I forget what study was done, but the documentary Plastic Paradise interviewed somebody that had done a study, and it was almost every single fish that they pulled out had plastic in them. Wow. You know? 
Like, it was way over 70%. You know, it was like <laughs> in their bellies. And then the larger fish having more concentrations because they eat the smaller fish, and then it continues. Well, and, and what comes to mind when you're talking about these high-rises is another topic of density. And so, you know, once we create imaginary borders and humans cannot naturally migrate as they're guided, then we start ending up with concepts of ownership and density mm-hmm. and overcrowding. Overcrowding would never exist if we were in alignment with the natural flow of the cosmos. And that's what the earth grids do. That's what the ancient nomadic people did. As soon as farming started to become a um, consistent way of life Mm -hmm. and people became stationary and non-nomadic, that's when the human race started to lose its connection to the stars. And if we remain in that nomadic way of living, the stars are always informing. And, and so we would continue to grow and evolve in a very natural way with the cosmos mm. if we were able to continue to have this nomadic way of living. Humans would not overpopulate the planet and um, there would be no there would be no sense of lack or um, shortage of anything, because when we restore our perfect balance by allowing ourselves to remain connected to these energy lines, the population does not overproduce itself. It just becomes there's no laws are necessary. We don't need to restrict anything because we become naturally aligned with unity consciousness and unity consciousness begins to guide everything Mm. and the consciousness then acts in a way that is in um, service to the well-being balance and harmony of all of life and this is the restoration of the the you know the um, concept of eden living in the garden, living in alignment and balance with all other things. Wow. And, and currently, you know, there's, we have all of these, um, you know, lots of creative ideas are coming to people, how to restructure cities, how to make transformation. The best transformation we could, be, we could make, the first transformation would be to remove borders and boundaries and yeah. allow people to flow naturally and this is another topic of resonance, which we were talking about earlier, which is a really interesting topic to touch on. Yeah. So let's uh, let's continue down that. You know, there's so much. Uh, I mean, my mind's going do 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 do. But you know, one of the things that I I started thinking about because you know I, I I always listen and I think, well, you know, does that make full sense with what I've you know, and in you know the population. You know, I I think to stress that a little bit more on, you know, we have a lot of people having multiple, 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 you know, uh, children, which is nothing wrong. There's some families that have, you know, a lot. I came from a big family, five older sisters, you know, whatever, you know, kind of thing, farm little land. But the, the dynamic of creating this natural, like, rhythm is that people are more connected to their self. They're more connected to their inspiration and motivation. They have different strides and different goals and different things. And, and there's also a different kind of 
bearing on the physical body, right? You know, and so that they actually having many children probably wouldn't exist and there would be maybe a lot of people choosing not to even have children and so I think that that's where your 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 balance that you're saying comes from as far as population you know it, it, from what I'm getting is that what you know it you totally is because um, the thing is we're living inside of societal structures and beliefs and those societal structures say when you go to school you get your degree, you find a partner, you buy a house, you ha get married, you have children, blah, blah, blah. So everyone um, is currently living inside of a very limiting box. And, you know, there's a concept uh, th that's perceived that if we move into unity consciousness, we're all going to be the same. But it's the opposite. Unity consciousness is a place where we live transcendent of fear. And when we're living transcendent of fear, we no longer are living inside of boundaries and constructs. And when we're living in that natural state of existence, everyone can live in a state of bringing forth their natural gifts. Yeah. And, and we all become the greatest artists of our life. We already are the artists of our life, but when we're living in duality consciousness, we're creating from that polarity back and forth, back and forth. So as we move into this more holistic state of consciousness, then people are living in their gifting frequency. And from that gifting frequency, a lot of people would never choose to have children. It's, it's become a thought program that you fill this mold. But in, in a unity consciousness, people are freer to live from the guidance of their higher self, the, their I am, whatever we want to call it. And from that place, we're more directed to fulfill um, our piece of the collective human puzzle uh, by bringing forth our gifts. Some people are naturally designed to be parents. Mm -hmm. in those gifting frequencies. Other people are naturally designed to be the ones that unify communities. Mm -hmm. So they don't need their own children. They're unifying massive numbers of people and so on. And so that's how we, we start to move into a more natural state of balance outside of these current social paradigms that say you have to do this, 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 and this. That's what we're breaking free from. I love that. And when we're, you were about to start going when it back paddled a little bit and said, all right, you know, nobody's, you know, a lot of people will be like, oh, okay, if you give people free control to do what they want, you know, pretty soon our population won't be 7 billion right. people, it'll be 10 billion people. But I wanted to say, like, where that is because there was some important wisdom. And I, I thank you for, you know, sharing that because I think it helps people grab a hold of. It's not that people are going to die faster. It's not that any of this other stuff or these plagues or whatever the case may be. It's just that we're happier and more in balance, and that means that we're free to do what we we are in alignment to do, and that might mean different choices, different actions, different, you know, paths. You exactly. Know? And, and um, inside of that... You know, I mean, we see this in, in um, many communities, in indigenous populations, um, you know, truly uh, that have maintained their indigenous ways. 
the, the expression, it takes a community to raise a child. Yeah. And so what, what we're talking about here is re- coming back to that natural state where, um, you know, on my own path, I didn't choose to have children in this lifetime, but I love kids. I love being around kids and I love what I have to offer kids and what kids have to offer me because I'm not coming from the perception of a parent so I don't hold the kinds of fears that parents might have of be careful, look out. So when I hang out with kids, I mean when 20 year olds all started showing up in my reality going, you're the coolest adult we know. And I'm like, well that's because I'm one of you, <laughs> you know? But, but we all can then as a community yeah. Um, come together and as as we do there's less children coming into the world because there are less children less people choosing to have them and the children then coming into the world are receiving massive amounts of love and support mm-hmm. to come into the world as very holistic beings and 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 be offered um, the kind of communal space necessary for them to to come forth with their gifts from the time that they're 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 birthed into the world, mm-hmm. beautiful, mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And now on that that note of being in residence, yeah. Okay, so um, resonance is is one of my favorite topics because I say that the universe self organizes through resonance. And so, what does that mean? Well, what is resonance? What's the definition of resonance? Resonance means that two things vibrate at the same frequency. So how does that translate for us in our lives? Well, resonance is really obvious. Um, We can experience resonance between another person. We just know right away, you know, that expression, I really hit it off with that person. That's resonance versus, I don't know, I got a bad feeling from that guy. Uh That's non-resonance. So it's not about judging each other. It's just about listening deeply to our inner guidance for what resonates and what doesn't. And then there's another favorite word of mine called discernment. Mm -hmm. Discernment is not judgment. There's nothing wrong with judgment, but judgment can have its limitations in our own growth and evolution. Discernment is more about learning to find our center, learning to understand what it means to be neutral about things. Finding our center is about learning to um, work with our emotional energy. There's two different ways of being. We can either be a reaction, which is when our emotional energy is just flying all over the place and it keeps dragging us down pathways that we don't want to experience and creating a lot of drama in our life. And then there's learning to master our emotional energy, which is to be able to experience something while holding the emotion within, not suppressing it, but holding it, containing it inside of us and experiencing and witnessing it from inside of us. And when we learn to do that, we learn it's like riding a black stallion, you know? If, if, if you're given a wild stallion and, and you want to learn to ride it, you're going to have to learn step by step how to be with that energy, not be afraid of it, but learn how to, how to work with that, how to flow with it. And as we learn how to flow with our emotional states, 
we can we can experience them inside of us while something is occurring outside of us mm-hmm. without being a reaction to that thing outside of us and from this state of mastery then we can begin to become discerning so what is discerning well discerning so a simple example someone sends me a text message maybe i go oh oh, I really don't want to respond to that text right now. But we have this programming that says, I have to respond to every text message that comes in. And we make ourselves bad and wrong if we don't, and we think we're being rude to someone else, and we have all these storylines. People that know me know I never get back to anybody's text messages. (laughs) I don't resonate with that. point of pressure that I felt that I had a response and I'm just like I'll look at him when I look at him. Right and that's a great example because what are you doing? You're following natural resonance in the moment and where is the resonance? It's showing up in your world right in front of you in every moment and you're in resonance with the people who are around you in the moment so you understand. You'll respond to the text when you're guided. Yeah. Not Which when is normally feel... on the train to work. <laughs> well, that's a perfect people get, time. People get, okay, it's 7, 7.30 in the morning. She texts me or she texts me at like 9 at night. Those are the only two times I respond. <laughs> well, you respond. That's, oh. that's a good sign. Oh, man. But yes, keep on going. But yes, so, so this analogy of feeling this pressure to, to respond, okay? And exactly. And that's not in residence with people. Not unless you feel. If you feel called to it, it's different. But what you're saying is that many people don't allow themselves to be in that space. And they do things that they don't want to do. Or they, it's not even about wanting or not wanting. It's about feeling right or whether it's in their highest or best vibration at that moment. That's kind of what you're saying, right? It totally is. And what I was sharing with Chris earlier is... Um, so if, so if we don't really feel like responding, there's probably a reason that we don't feel to respond. And if we respond when we don't feel like it, then I invite people to examine this. I say to everyone, learn the six core wounds that run at the foundation of all of human fears. Okay, what are these? Guilt shame, denial, separation, rejection, and suppression. Ah. So those six core wounds are a perfect way to check in. So if I get a text message and I look at it and I go, oh, I don't feel like responding, I'll check in to see what is running beneath the radar. If I say, I should respond to this, then I look at what is beneath the should. Hmm. One of those core wounds is ultimately beneath it. Because one of those core wounds is telling us that we're bad for not responding in the moment. Mm -hmm. Because we have all these programs of social interaction. And those programs of social interaction that are so embedded in us, especially in Western cultures. um, You know, a lot of cultures have no words for good and bad. A lot of cultures don't even have languaging to describe this dualistic reality that the Western world is living in. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. And, and 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 on that, I, I think to clarify, there's there's this is when you do when you don't want to respond, but you feel that you do. But then it's also important to kind of check yourself when you feel that you don't want to respond. But you know, like is is that something? Is are you f- afraid of facing some kind of rejection or you know you don't want to respond back to somebody because you feel embarrassed or ashamed or this or that I mean there's two forms right here but I think it's a very valuable thing to look at yourself right totally totally and that's that's the denial piece that's one of those Mm -hmm. core wounds denial Mm -hmm. so we just go oh I'll just deal with it later people do that with bills all the time oh I'm not going to look at that I'll deal with it later that's yeah. a core wound of denial, and it's all fear-based. And how do you heal these wounds? Well, that's a great question. There's one simple thing that I teach people um, that's really important. It's really important to understand um, the dynamics of our physical body. We have a left and a right hemisphere of our brain. So our brain is actually divided into these two hemispheres. So if the listeners can just picture these two hemispheres, and the hemispheres are connected by a little bridge, and that bridge is called the corpus callosum. Mm -hmm. It's not necessary to know the name, but, you know, it's this little bridge that connects the two hemispheres. And so for most of us up until fairly recently, a lot of the new children coming in now, um, it's not so much the same. But for, for a lot of us who have been on the planet for, you know, a few decades or even, even new children coming in, that little bridge does not work really well. So you could say it's kind of like an old wooden broken down bridge and it's got some missing wood slats and all that kind of stuff. So if, if the bridge is not working well, what does that mean? It means that getting back and forth from one side to the other is a difficult task mm-hmm. and so it's very difficult then to connect those two hemispheres of the brain so that they're communicating together you could say that we have a weak cell signal between the two hemispheres of the brain when the cell signal is weak the hemispheres are both doing their own thing because as we know the right hemisphere is very intuitive and creative and the left hemisphere is intellectual and it's very linear. Mm-hmm. So the left brain works with space and time and um, more, more so with time, linear time. The right brain works with more with space, spatiality, creativity, and so on. So we want to get those two hemispheres working together. And why am I talking about this in answer to your question about what do we do about these fears? Mm-hmm. What we do about these fears is, first of all, we want to get those two hemispheres of the brain working together because the more that they work together, the less we experience fear. Mm. When the two hemispheres aren't working together, it's called brain dominance. And the left hemisphere is dominating the right with its intellectual linear ideas. And then the right brain is suppressed with its creativity or the creativity is flowing and the left brain is not able to set up enough structure to encompass all that creativity. Yeah. You need them both. <laughs> exactly. If you just have ideas and you can't get them into motion, you're going to be left in a state of despair and chaos, right? You know, you creatively think, that's great. And if you're just all about order and structure, and you can, then you're never even, if you approach a solu- uh, problem, you 
you're not even able to see the options and solutions. Right? Exactly. And, and you said it right, right there um, when you said chaos. So the chaos is um, what we experience when we have brain dominance occurring. So how do we deal with that chaos? See, when the two hemispheres are not working together, um, we, the hemispheres then are having a battle, then we're experiencing chaos inside of us. We're having chaotic thoughts. We're having a war inside going, I'm good, I'm bad, she's right, he's wrong. It's that mm -hmm. dualistic mindset. It's driving us crazy. It's exhausting us, all those things. And then we project that chaotic energy outside of us, so then we're also creating chaos. Yeah. Because our energy field is sending that signal out everywhere we go. Mm -hmm. So, what do we do? It's the simplest thing on the planet. I share this tool with everyone everywhere I go. We want to use tools that bring those right and left hemispheres um, into a whole brain state. Okay. And, and a little thing to add here is that dolphins and whales, for example, live in a whole brain state. And they have three cortexes. <laughs> exactly. And they are super intelligent beings. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. That's how can they live in that pod consciousness? How do they work together so well? Mm -hmm. Because those hemispheres of the brain are working as one brain. And they're not experiencing a fear consciousness, which allows them to unify in that pod mind. Mm. And that's where we're going. And and of note, you know, the, the younger children coming in, even like what was classed as, um, you know, the, the indigos or, um, you know, a lot of the kids that came in that were put on Ritalin and stuff that were so intelligent and their, their mind was working way faster than the current system. It was because that little bridge in their brain was shorter and thicker. And their hearts were more wide open because of that. We have more access to the energy of the heart when the, when the brain works as one brain. We're in a more loving state. And when we're in a more loving state, the number one most amazing thing is we become super creative. Mm -hmm. And we play. Yeah. Play, have fun, connect, and... In the flow, because you know, I'm sure you've heard of the the um, the dynamic of the twin hearts, right? So you, your your heart chakra is really there's a duplicate on it on your crown, and so the inner innermost, not the outer petals. The crown chakra has way more petals on it, but the the heart chakra is actually an identical twin on your crown. So uh, in order to activate your crown. The key to activating your crown is by activating your heart because it stimulates the other chakra and then you're wide open, then you're channeling all this connected energy from higher realms that help you, you know, I mean, because really, I mean, we think that it's us being super creative, but really we're tapping into this energetic grid and we're <laughs> tapping into other ideas and that's why four different scientists across a different world from each other are inventing the same thing on the same day, you know. And, and this has been in history even way before the oracle named Google came around, you know, like the internet wasn't even in, in existence, but yet somebody in the United States and hung somebody in Hungary are inventing the same thing, you know. So, um, you know, thank you. Give the universe got a little bit of credit you know, instead of us sometimes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Google doesn't get all the credit. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. So 
I love that, and I mean, we all love to be in that creative, being that creative vessel. I guess what I'm saying is that we it allows us to be more of that creative vessel and channel, you know. Exactly, mm-hmm. and and that's also what ignites the fountain of youth within us. It's very restorative on the body when we're living in that really creative place when the crown chakra is open. What is restorative is now we're streaming higher frequencies of energy into the body, which are nourishing and nurturing the body. So Mm -hmm. there's all kinds of benefits, and that's an amazing um, sharing that you're doing. And clearly, with all of your creativity flowing, your heart and your crown chakra are wide open. (laughs) (laughs) Because you have a lot of amazing creative (laughs) projects on the go, I must say. So be it, so be it. Let's see it will manifest and God willing. Um, So what else about, you know, I mean, everything that you've been sharing is the mechanics of the universe. I mean, for those that are listening, like, when is she going to talk about mechanics of the universe? We have been this whole time, all of these different dynamics and the grid lines and being in residence. These are the mechanics of the universe, but are there other ones to share, too? Okay, well, let's jump into um, the simple mechanic of how to get our brain in a whole brain state. Yes, perfect. Especially since we've just been talking about this right brain, left brain, and maybe some of us don't have a large corpus callosum, but women have an advantage. We're naturally born with about twice uh, twice the amount of uh, nerve fibers that connect, so we have an easier bouncing from uh, left to right. Now, that's not a 100% cookie cutter, but it is pretty big, actually. One of my mentors uh, for years, he's passed now, but... Uh, he he was he learned from the first neuroscientist Joseph Bogan to ever split uh, the corpus callosum. You know, so I had a, I I got I got the first pass downs from all the research that they did on right and left brain. So I'm wow. like loving you sharing this because it's it's so pertinent and like in the recent years it's been getting a lot of discredit. You know, they're like, ah, well that your creativity isn't necessarily located in that spectrum but no there's there's so much about you know if you take the simplicity of those and how applicable it is to one's life you know it's I think we need to get back to that and making that information and hearing that a lot more you know I think that's really important information to share because I think um, the you know the stage that we're going through right now can be quite confusing, confusing and disillusioning for for the masculine because the feminine has been going through this really um, accelerated spiritual awakening, and in some ways, um, you know, the masculine can kind of feel left behind. Yeah. And and so to understand that the structure of the physical bodies is different, and then to help. Um, teach different ways that men can increase that capacity in their brain well yeah and women still need it too i'm just just saying you know we Absolutely. have we have a we have a little bit of an advantage is yeah. all i'm saying but no like what are some of those techniques okay well um any technique that has us um so the right hemisphere of the brain controls the left side of the body and the left hemisphere of the brain controls the right side of the body So any techniques that have us using both sides of the body. So um, I'm going to share a couple of techniques that I'd love to share. But first of all, I'm going to say 
It's why when we're having a bad day, going for a run makes us feel better. Mm. What does going for a run do? It works out both sides of the body. Mm. That's why exercise is really important. Keeping up some kind of fitness that's working out both sides of the body is really important because when we do, and we're a society that tends to, you know, especially the Western world, we're sitting so much in front of computers. Yes, we're using both hands on the computer, which keeps those hemispheres moving. But it's really important to move both sides of the body. So, you know, just the encouragement for people to get 10 to 20 minutes of exercise a couple of times a day mm. would keep people in a much more balanced state. Um, now, these are my favorite tools to share any moment that we're a trigger or a reaction. So this is how we can really start to accelerate our process. If we can catch ourselves in the moment that we're triggered, and what does it mean to be triggered? It means we're, you know, we're, we're hot and um, bothered about something in, uh. in some kind of way, good way, bad way, whatever. Um, and so if we cross our ankles and we cross our wrists and then we bring our hands, our palms back together, and clasp our fingertips together. And then just resting the hands comfortably in the lap, closing our eyes and deep breathing. If we just hold this pose and focus on the breath for a moment or just relax, we will experience a shift. Maybe it's mental, maybe it's emotional, maybe it's physical, all of the above, but we will experience some kind of shift. Maybe it's a deep sigh. Maybe we feel our shoulders drop, or maybe we have some kind of profound realization. It's different every time. And once we feel that shift, we uncross the hands and feet, open the eyes, and now we want to ground back into this time and space. So we might have just closed our eyes in a really stressful situation. Now we've come into this really relaxed place and the listeners can just try this and practice this. And now we want to ground it in. So, so the common thing I share with people is just bring your fingertips together in a pyramid or a triangle kind of shape. Uncross the ankles, the wrists. The pyramid is the fingertips touching eyes open remember this part is the eyes open part now looking around at our surroundings because we're landing ourselves back into this moment in time and just holding the fingertips together like this until we have a sense that we're grounded in again we're back here and when we do then we can let go maybe we want to put our hands on our heart to ground ourselves back in but some kind of physical action that has that bringing together of the two hands and then checking in again. Mm. How, did, how did that feel? Did you, I was kind of talking through it. Usually I give a little bit more spaciousness, but did you notice a shift? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Did you, Chris? Yeah, definitely. So much more relaxed and. So. This is the world's simplest tool. You don't have to pack it around in your backpack. Yeah. It belongs to you. 
Um, it's why yoga feels so good when we do yoga, because yoga has us do a lot of crossovers while we're focusing on our breath. Yeah. And so uh, what I say to people is if we start practicing this little tool anytime we're triggered about something, uh-huh. Instead of going out and stomping our feet um, about something our boss just said to us or, you know, yelling at the children, just take 30 seconds or give ourselves two minutes, whatever it takes. But it's shown, it's been shown through brain mapping that the shift in the brain occurs within the th- first three to five seconds of doing mm. this. Wow. So, I felt that. Yeah, and, and it's exciting because... Once we know that we have tools, this is the most important thing. When we don't have tools, we feel scared and disempowered. Once we know we have tools, then it's just a matter of using those tools. And those tools can transform our world, and they're so simple. We can do these crossovers while we're sitting on a bus. If we're sitting at our boss's desk and we're talking about a promotion... We can do it under the desk. We don't have to have our eyes closed. Just having the crossovers um, in place when we're in a conversation that may feel like a difficult or confronting conversation. Or maybe it's a conversation we're super excited about and it's really hard to, to settle in. Using it any of those times, we will notice a huge difference and we'll start to notice that we can walk into a room and we can face any conversation, good, bad, right, wrong, whatever. Mm. Um, simplest tool on the planet so the other thing that I like to mention is if we are triggered um, another thing we can do before we go into the crossovers is just and you know let's let's say I'm upset about something so I'm going to give it a word I'm just I'm upset I'm mad I'm happy I'm whatever so oftentimes when I'm working with clients, I'll just say, um, first of all, how are you feeling? Just in one word, how are you feeling? So we can add this process to it. How am I feeling right now? Give it a word and then rate it on a scale of 0 to 10. Mm. Let's say 0 is neutral, 10 is extreme. Mm. Just let that rating, doesn't. maybe it's 100, maybe we're feeling beyond 10, maybe we're feeling a 5, whatever. But when we give it a rating system before we go into the crossover, after we come out, we open the eyes, we do that lock-in position with the fingers, then go back and check in on the rating again. Because that is a profound moment where we go, oh my gosh, I just went from a 10 to a 2 in 0 seconds. And it's like a feedback loop for the consciousness. When the consciousness has that moment of feedback, that aha moment, it, it like the crisis is over. Yeah. Because the consciousness goes, wait a minute, I, I don't really feel that bad. Yeah. So that's a really good thing to add as part of the regular practice. So that's bringing us back to your question about how do we overcome those six core wounds. Mm-hmm. This simple technique, it builds, it's like going to the gym and doing a bicep curl. We do them over and over. The bicep is going to get bigger. We do this technique over and over. That corpus callosum is going to get stronger until suddenly we realize nothing triggers us anymore Mm. because those those hemispheres of the brain have now unified into a whole brain state, and we're starting to experience the world in a profoundly new way. Yeah, I I can honestly say when I used to do yoga every day, it didn't matter. You know, like, I, I contributed it to 
you know, oh, I'm working out every day and I would ride my bike and things like that. So it's in really good shape. So I was like, oh, you know, I'm just feeling really good. But now that you say that, you know, I'm doing all these crossovers <laughs> and holding and doing and that. And, you know, I built that muscle. I gotta get exactly. back to my yoga and my and, the, and these breathing <laughs> exercises and these crossovers. I'm gonna be doing it on the train every day from now on. I'll see. Yes, I'll see. I'll report back in like 30 it. days it's and see totally how it changes. It's a totally amazing place to do it, and that's that's a great um, reminder to people that you know do it on your commute. There's there's so many places that we can do it instead of picking up the the phone to look at our Facebook page or check our, check our text messages. Why don't we just um, do that five less times a day and go into a whole brain state for 30 seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Beautiful. What else would you love to share before we wrap up for this amazing topic? Like if you gave like a, a level of wisdom or knowledge or if there's one more like people need to know this about the mechanics of the universe, what would it be? Well, I think it comes back to this word of resonance. Okay. Really learning deep internal listening from what I call a neutral place. What does that mean? It means really learning to practice that whole brain state so that we can become more neutral about things. When we're less triggered, we can witness the outside world from... Um, a place of awareness Mm -hmm. and the more aware we are the more we can choose rather than um, react Mm -hmm. and so what is the choosing about and what is how does that tie into resonance it means that if an invitation for a dinner date comes instead of going oh I should really do that I should get out of the house and do this Allow ourselves to really feel into our guttural response. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or, mm 75% of the population can rely on that guttural response. There's a few other designs out there, but for the vast majority of people, If we wait to respond from that guttural place, we will know if something is right for us or not. Mm. If we get the "Mm mm-mm, don't respond to that text message. It's not resonant right now. Yeah. Maybe it's going to be resonant later, like when you're on the train. (laughs) Or maybe, you know, maybe Maybe that's just... Maybe it's never resonant. Exactly. (laughs) Never get back to the person. Exactly. Um, if we get a mm-hmm or a yes, then respond to the text. If we get a mm, then just hold off. There may be a better time. And what happens when we start to really learn to listen to that internal voice with discernment and listen to true resonance? It might turn out that that, that text message just came at the wrong time and two days later, we feel filled with joy and love to respond to that person. Mm. That is the, the, the perfect time then to respond. And we may discover that by not responding or by saying no, when our mind, our program said, oh, I should say yes, but we listened to that guttural response that said, mm, mm-mm. We may discover 
that that allows us to be at the very right place at the right time for a different interaction to occur. Maybe it's the, you know, it's it's the the gold we've been looking for. It's the the partner or the collaboration or the walk in nature where we get the aha insight. Yeah. We've allowed ourselves that spaciousness uh-huh. by listening to our true inner response and resonance. I always say this is part of the mechanics of creation. The universe self-organizes through resonance. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a mouthful, but it's really not. If we just listen to resonance, each and every one of us would be showing up at the right place at the right time. And once we start to learn to listen to that inner resonance, what is amazing is our entire world becomes filled with synchronicity and flow. And magic and miracles show up everywhere. And inside of that resonance, we discover there is no such thing as chaos. We actually begin to discover that this is all a divine unfolding that we're mm-hmm. part of, like a divine play. And the only reason we perceive chaos is because we're the ones creating it because we are not listening to the internal resonance to tell us where to be and when. Yeah. And we're the ones creating the chaos by missing our cue, missing the moment we're supposed to walk out on stage, unifying with people that we're not supposed to unify with when the group that we're supposed to unify with is a block away. Yeah. We're the ones, by listening to those lower nature programs of I should that are all based on fear, that have us showing up the wrong place at the wrong time, creating chaos in the world. So my, one of my favorite words and teachings is really about how to go into that resonance and be a part of this divine plan and stop being the creators of the chaos and become the participants in the divine perfection of all that is. Magical. Oh, well wow. said. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Oh, beautiful. I think that that, I mean, that hit home for me on many different levels. I'm sitting here and I'm like kind of zoned out for a minute because I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, that, that, and, I, and this, and that, that's so true. And, you know, I'm sitting there and thinking about all the times that I've spent in relationships that I knew from day one weren't right for me. And then the, oh, because of this and the lower vibrations and the blah, 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 blah. But the reality is when you let go and you allow yourself to move forward, the momentum just unfolds in the most magical way, right? It's so true. And by us saying no to an invitation that isn't right, we are also freeing and releasing that other person to show up where they're supposed to be. Be at their time, uh-huh. yeah. And, the, and having that experience as well. And if we can start to come from that neutral place where we're not taking life personally anymore... Yeah then we can we can all go, wow, and this is what we're moving into in Unity Consciousness on this Wisak um, festival that's coming up. It's a traditional celebration by the Buddhist people, and it's um, this year it's on the 10th of May. And, and it's a, a moment of awakening opportunity within ourselves. And so, um, you know, just learning to practice neutrality transcending our need to take everything personal, transcending our need to experience life as a big drama. From this place, we can we realize that 
there is only love, that love is flowing through and at the core of and behind each and every one of us and all mm. events. And, um, and so from that place through resonance, this universal divine love that is humanity's birthright to share collectively can begin to flow through all of us where each one of us can show up at the right place at the right time and we can allow others to, to show up at their right place at the right time without trying to control them, being upset at them, or them being upset at us by us truly listening to that resonance. So that's where we become the peace wow. that we're meant to be. Thank you. Thank yeah, you so thank much you. for sharing. Yeah. So these, uh, this, this, this two-part amazing podcast you know I, I feel that this is one of those things that you know for those that have listened to record and and went through the whole recording like to listen to it again because I think that this is one of those things like that good book that you reread in multiple times or the movie that you see and you get different parts at different times I think that there is so much in here and I thank you so much for joining if people wanted to find you where can they find you well, um, I'm working on a new website, which isn't up yet. Um, I am pureenergy.love. And, um, but so right now the best place to find me is on Facebook, Unity okay. Grace. Okay. And, um, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find there. And um, I'm linked into um, your page and also um, Liberate Hollywood's page. Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's definitely... Definitely. And, and we'll put your URL on there. And if it if it doesn't work right now and it, it's not quite up, just know that to check back. But, yes, you can definitely, through us here and find her online. But, you know, and she'll be back for many more podcasts <laughs> in the future and different... I feel like different shows and things that we do together. So thank you so much for joining. Um, for all those that have listened or that are listening, you know, uh, your feedback and your comments and reviews are very appreciated. It really helps other people find us, especially on iTunes. So if you live, leave a written one, um, it just helps us get ranked a little higher. Of course, you can leave stars. Five stars is always amazing, you know, but, you know, whatever you feel is best. Until next time. Bye. Bye.